0: Hi, welcome to another edition of Project 40, the podcast, where I combine my love of Jungian, psychoanalysis, and astrology. Today, I want to talk about Anima and animus in the horoscope. So I have so many clients coming to me throughout the years, totally involved in this very intense art of shadow dancing with their partners where we're seeing so much of what is unconscious in our own psyche presented to us in the form of that which we are struggling with in in, the, in terms of the dynamic with the other person. So in other words, you know, some people call this demonizing, like demonizing the other or projecting your issues onto the partner in more common terms. A lot of people don't realize the word projection actually comes from Jungian psychology from this whole idea that we have this unconscious counterpart in our in our psyche masculine and feminine that we then and it's first I should say it's rooted in the relationships of the past of course uh, ultimately with the interjected versions of mother and father or primary female male characters in our life it could be significant teachers we had as children, or anyone who had a really lasting imprint or impact on our psyche, will then be the fuel, or we could say the psychic projection fuel. It kind of, it it basically lays the template for how we will see, interact, and even the lens that we will perceive the partner through. So we think we're seeing, you know, there's this famous quote, We see the world as we are, not as it is. And this applies to relationships as well. So I'd like to share this really powerful quote from Jung that I think really gets to the heart of this issue. He says, The deadly arrows do not strike the hero from without. It is himself who hunts, fights, and tortures himself. In him, instinct wars with instinct. Therefore, the poet says, thyself pierce through, which means he is wounded with his own arrow. And I think this whole concept of projection and demonizing the other is so essential at this time in our lives with all of the, you know, the constant um, news around violence and you know, I mean this is nothing new, but Jung even said himself that the world hangs on a thread and that thread is psyche. So if we want to change the world we start with what's going on in terms of the inner wars within us and we see this first and foremost in our relationships, don't we? So here is a little bit more of what I'd like to talk about in terms of shadow dancing, what I call shadow dancing in the chart shadow dancing in relationships it's this whole dance that we do where we're not sure what's ours what's the other person's and we're so sure that we're fighting something in the other which often comes back to something unresolved in us if we can't accept a particular behavior or it can be even um, like a, a pattern or a habit or just something completely irrational about the other person that we find irrational in ourselves about why we cannot accept something in this other person. It may be something as simple as the way they chew their breakfast. Why does that irritate us so much? Or why do why are we so convinced that that other person holds either the key to our happiness or our demise? How are we projecting God or Goddess onto this other person? These are all very relevant issues that could come up. And of course with so much getting stirred up in our collective unconscious regarding our relationship to violence, The most recent topic, uh, of course, being the gun laws, right? So this subject matter to me seems more critical than ever. If we're to become the change we wish to see in the world, we've got to look at how we handle the loaded guns in our own psyche, don't we? And I'm fascinated by how the horoscope can reveal to us all the ways in which we deal with our own defenses, our anger, our violence, and our own psychic weaponry. So let's take a look at how we can use the horoscope to break down um, everything from the you know the inner enemy, the inner um, inner god, inner goddess, all that we might project onto the other person. Of course, most of us would like to believe we are these you know quite sweet and civilized um, you know wonderful beings in relationship. And as Marian Williamson says, you know. If you really want to know how someone is, get into a relationship with them because that's where all of the psychic closet demons and ghosts and goblins and all of our unconscious repressed material will really surface, right? You can really find out what is unhealed, what is unprocessed from our past by the way we do relationships. That's why relationships, I feel, are our deepest spiritual work. Relationships are amazing uh, mirrors for us, really, if we can use them. And the horoscope is is another amazing mirror that we can access to understand, A, how we do relationships, and ultimately how we're trying to do the relationship with ourself in the individuation process of becoming who we really are and why we attract certain people into our lives to help us with the unconscious pieces of who we are and who we're trying to become. I often find with clients after severe breakups, for instance, or um, severe love losses, we could say, that one of the most healing um, remedies for them in terms of getting over the loss is to do the work of incorporating what it is that that person brought to their life. And we can really see this through the seventh house of the horoscope the seventh house of the horoscope or the descendant as it's also called reveals to us the qualities in which we are perhaps very unconscious of, we can't see in ourselves and we're looking to the other to bring to us because the seventh house often um, is representative of not only the way we do relationships but the kind of partner or partners we're attracted to. Now it's not only love partners in the seventh house but you know, business partners and even clients are revealed by the energy of the seventh house, the archetype of the seventh house. So I've done a lot of my work and research around this in my attempt to help my clients in the individuation process and most importantly in their relationships to understand why they keep attracting the same person over and over again and what is it that they're in a shadow dance with. And the seventh house also reveals the unconscious anima and animus. Now let's break that down a little bit because it is a Jungian term and you may not all be familiar with what an anima animus actually entails. So Jung gives a definition of the animus as the deposit, as it were, of all of women's ancestral experiences of man. And not only that he is also a creative and procreative being not in the sense of masculine creativity but in the sense that he brings forth something we might call the spermatic word. Now, this is why the words that women use are often so indicative of the state of their unconscious masculine energy. So, when the animus is not in a good not in a good place, we could say not in a good state, you will often find women reverting to very extreme blanket statements that are hyper-negative and exaggerated to the point of there's no reasoning with them. You know, things like, I'm so fat, this will never change, I know he doesn't love me, nothing is ever going to get better. Those kind of really intense, This is these are animus-driven statements, negative animus-driven statements, for instance. So just to give you a depiction of how the animus can work. And the way we might see this in the horoscope is, depending on, you know, the sign on the cusp of the seventh house and then of course the planetary ruler and any aspects going on there, which we'll get into some case examples um, in the next lecture on this, but I wanted to at least start this lecture with um, with an intro on this, this whole situation of Anima and animus and how the horoscope is such an amazing tool to get, to become more conscious of our own inner Anima and animus. So the animus is the unconscious masculine constellation found in the female psyche. It's also known as the spirit or the spiritual force in a woman's psyche. The animus serves as a bridge between the ego and the unconscious and as a woman becomes more conscious and individuated from her personal and her familial and her ancestral complexes thus she becomes more conscious of her animus. The animus is also considered a composite of all of the male influences and imagery in a woman's life, and this could come from past lives. So it's any of these influences that have left an imprint upon her psyche. The father complex is one of the greatest influences in forming the animus, so I often spend a great deal of time with my clients trying to uncover the impact of the father and his influence obviously as a character in her psyche as this will undoubtedly have one of the greatest impacts on the kind of masculine energy she draws into her life. The absence of the father during critical developmental years can constellate either a negative or a positive father complex or some combination thereof. The positive version is the search for an idealized older father figure, or it could be an external um, search for validation um, of the person's self esteem, and there can be a hyperemphasis on worldly achievement. A negative version creates extreme fear and distrust of men and authority, and a great difficulty finding success in the world. Now, from a psychological perspective, one would definitely want to inquire deeper into the residual influence from the relationship with the father, as I mentioned earlier, and grandfathers and, you know, looking at both the maternal and paternal side and understanding the makeup of the animus. So with my clients, what I'll often do is I'll look at their seventh house and we'll spend some time talking about that and how those archetypes might play in. For instance, if somebody had Gemini in the seventh house, we would want to look at what's going on with Mercury, obviously. We'd want to look at is there a puer complex, like the Peter Pan complex, um, stemming from the father influence. Often, very often I find that the father might have been very youth, youthful. Could be Peter Pan, could be just very um, again, depending on the Mercury. Um, if the Mercury is well-aspected, we just we could have a very intelligent father complex. Now, if the Mercury is um, in difficult aspect, we're going to find a more complicated case, obviously. So, um, or let's say there is, as another example, let's use um, a seventh house um, of Aries, which is a great example for where you may be dealing with someone who's attracted to a very... Um, Okay, again, depending on how Mars is aspected and how, you know, the dignity of Mars in the chart. We could have anything from somebody who's a rageaholic um, with very little patience and a big temper or a narcissist. Or we could have a great emperor, like the highest level of the archetype of Aries, a great father figure, a great masculine presence, um, really owning the masculine. So it just depends, again, so we have to look into all the details in the horoscope which, like I said, we'll do more in the next series on this. Um, so um, for a more direct experience of what the animus is like, you can catch a glimpse of its influence through a person's self-talk, as I mentioned a little bit earlier. Um, according to Jung, you would watch for any absolute statements uh, or harshly negative blanket statements, like I mentioned. Um, and also, the animus has a way of really wreaking havoc on a woman's creativity like if he's in a bad state um, so you know in the in the movie the Sylvia Plath movie for instance and this is based on her real life um, there's this scene in the movie where she is so creatively blocked um, that she because she's given most of her anonymous power over to her husband who's also a poet and instead of writing poems she's baking pies one after the other and it kind of becomes a funny scene where you know instead of writing one word of poetry she has like twelve pies baked and this is also animus possession so according to Jung the best defense against the animus is to think of putting his negative opinions, assumptions, and predictions in a test tube and sealing it up and then moving forward with conviction and commitment if you give the animus free reign he will throw black paint over everything I guarantee it. Um, He'll have you continually doubting yourself, second guessing, looking for holes in everything. He's always looking for the negative. A famous Jungian analyst, Marion Woodman, tells a story about her how her analyst used to tell her to take her animus out for a drink, for a good drink, because he always had, you know, he was always in the way, basically, with all of his opinions and his negative statements. So that was his solution. The negative animus often appears to women in dreams in the form of a killer and as a means of revealing self-destructive aspects lurking in the unconscious. So I have a lot of clients that come in with like people chase, like a man chasing them, or, or a f- straight-up killer energy coming in, trying to break into the house. So the transformational potential of working with the animus is the bridge to both spiritual and the creative potential of the soul. Of course, the work must be followed up with years of intensive self-analysis, inner work, and journaling practice to see the real results. But here's a great key in where the horoscope can really help us to start to do the work of understanding that which is unconscious in ourselves. Now, I realize we're focusing mostly on animus in this um, podcast, and I'm realizing I may save anima for the the next one, just for, you know, for respective attention spans, Um, also because I like to break things up as much as possible. So let's go through some potentials for different um, Seventh House shadow energies for the shadow dancing. Um, So we will talk about um, Aries shadow to begin with, of course, and we'll go through all of them. So we'll just talk about uh, some different aspects. Um, So we'll take a little tour and you can apply the, the descriptions that I'm going to give you to the descendant. And you can also, I would actually say, you could also apply these to the Saturn, which we didn't get into. But Saturn is also often an indication of animus energy, since we are focusing more on the animus in this podcast. So, the Aries shadow. When embracing the airy shadow, one immediately thinks of primal scream energy, Right? It's helpful to consider where the anger, selfishness, aggression, or competition was denied to the child or rejected in the child's instinctual responses. You often see anger that's been internalized or expressed in more passive-aggressive means when the shadow energy is struggling for expressions. I often find clients with Aries uh, descendant with migraines or just general fatigue um, when there's no way of directly expressing frustration or other competitive Mars type of energies or instincts. Shadow shadow symbols um, for the Aries shadow include uh, the bossy boss, the bitch, the competitor, the warrior, uh, the man or the woman with a gun, weapons, boxers, competition in general, war, Battle scenes, fights, accidents, injuries, ambulances, and rams. So that gives you a good depiction of the airy shadow. And let's move on to the Taurus shadow. With the Taurus shadow here, we get a fear of loss of control or possession over the love object. And this can often arise, um, you know from obviously early childhood experiences, of feeling like this secure attachment was denied or taken away. So again, this would be a Scorpio. The Aries shadow would be typically a Libra rising, right? I mean, it would be a Libra rising. And the Taurus shadow would be a Scorpio rising. So here we would want, with the Taurus shadow, we would want to look to see where Venus is trying to express herself in the horoscope. Is there a wound around beauty? or the voice or the body. Food and money often play a very important role in helping the individual to come to consciousness. A fear of losing control or losing what one values most. And also a fear of losing um, that which somebody holds to be the most dear to their heart. Like anything that's deeply buried at the core of the shadow complex often has to do with the deep, deep fear of losing something of value. Some shadow symbols for the Taurus shadow. Dogs, clingier, dependent characters, and again, you might see these in in the dreams. These are like dream symbols, or um, or obviously real life symbols that show up in your life. Um, robbers, lost wallets, food, especially sweets like desserts, jewelry, money, bulls, literally bulls, roses, fabric, grass, earth, or gardens. Now again the Torah shadow I feel really brings up where we're craving a deep sense of self-value which we obviously have to give to ourselves but if that's not if that's not happening there can be some deep codependent issues obviously too whenever we have Venus energies on the descendant there can often be some deep codependent stuff going on because we're looking for our value in the other where we need to obviously find that within we need to integrate that now Gemini shadow (laughs) Here, you know, I I call this the the one-foot-out-the-door shadow. So you may think it's always the other person or the partner that's got one foot out the door, but I often have my clients with the Sagittarius Rising or Gemini Shadow look at their own uh, commitment issues and the the one-foot-out-the-door syndrome to see if this partner is mirroring something in themselves. So other Gemini shadow themes are duplicity and evasiveness. Um, So these two play a very important role in uncovering the shadow energy of the trickster. So here we have the trickster energy. One often finds a or Puella, that's the other version, the eternal youth archetype, as I mentioned earlier. That part of us that's terrified of growing up. Commitment issues often plague the life of this shadow figure. There is a quick mercurial, I don't want to grow up, rebellion to the shadow that prefers causing mischief and quickly slipping in and out of situations to avoid getting caught or trapped. Inner splits and Jekyll and Hyde kinds of drama ensue. Shadow symbols, words, messages, doubles, twins, doppelgangers, magicians, salesmen, homosexuals, bisexuals, bad boys, teenagers, innocent boy or girl turned killer, monkey, gossip, tabloid, lies, book, school, neighbors, lovers, and other languages are all Gemini, shadow themes that you could see, again, in your dreams or in real life. Moving on now to the cancer shadow. The cancer shadow may reveal an overwhelming need to be babied and taken care of. However, any needs for nurturing may be so repressed and deeply buried that the individual covers them up by being ridiculously self-sufficient. So you often see this with Capricorn Rising people, don't you? Longing for the past, withholding affection, or just a generalized sense of apathy may feel pervasive. The shadow will convince this individual that her needs will never be met, so why get emotionally close or too involved with anyone you're not going to get your needs met anyway? Yet at the bottom of the shadow is a strong need for emotional contact and support and connection, which is, you know, again, this whole shadow dance of denying that need is where we get into trouble. Shadow symbols for the Cancer? Bottles, photos from the past, mother figures, food, babies, nostalgic places, bathtubs, kitchens, vessels, pearls, breasts, nursing, Childhood, and photo albums are just a few of the cancer symbols. Moving on to the Leo shadow, this is often what I call the attention whore shadow, needing if not demanding proper respect, appreciation, and recognition. The need to be treated as special or part of the elite dominates the unconscious responses of the Leo shadow. And again, this would be Aquarius rising. There is a bit of a superstar, rock star complex that wants to be spoiled, pampered, and fawned over. At the core of the shadow is the need to feel cherished and deeply loved. But this is often masked by a need to collect admirers and more superficial attention to prove how wanted the individual is. So shadow shadow symbols for Leo, celebrities, luxurious settings, red carpet, velvet, diamonds, queens, cats, fame, the stage, rock stars, and gold. Moving on now to the Virgo shadow, so Pisces rising. Here we have the selfless helper shadow who wants to take no credit for any work or service. The problem with this shadow is that so much work and attention is spent taking care of others that often there's this huge well of worry and self-neglect that kicks in. The shadow shadow may make itself known in a hypochondriacal fashion with a slew of mysterious symptoms or like an overall malaise. Physical complaints, excessive worry, or just a nervous edge to the personality may dominate when the individual has lost connection to her own life and magic. There can also be a bit of the Madonna whore complex with the Virgo shadow, because the individual is split between the purity, celibacy, and a dark subservience to the sexual needs of others. Shadow symbols for the Virgo include hermits, simple folk, workers, ascetics, monks, healers, nuns, secretaries, nurses, janitors, aides, witches, madonnas, blue-collar workers, and prostitutes. Moving on now to the Libra shadow. This is the too-good-is-no-good shadow. The need for harmony, connection, and partnership may be terrifying to the individual who's afraid to lose independence. Now here we're dealing with Aries rising, right? Underlying this bravado and seemingly aggressive energy could be a soul simply scared of rejection and not being liked or not being good enough. There is a strong need to feel one is sweet and likable and most importantly beautiful. Shadow symbols for the Libra shadow. Weddings, beauty queens, models, the scales, court, couples, relationships, doves. Peace, makeup, symmetrical images, roses, rose quartz, and trials, like like law trials, legal trials. Now, the Scorpio shadow, or Taurus rising. Here, many deep and dark secrets are buried in the shadow. There is the jealous femme femme fatale shadow, often cloaked in a persona of wanting to be loving, loyal, and supportive. If you dig deeper with the Scorpio shadow, you'll often discover a ruthless need to be number one and possess the object of one's desire. You may also discover a terror of death and a loss of control similar to the Taurus shadow. A person may have to work hard to recover the depths of her sexuality with the shadow. Often there may have been some childhood trauma or sexual abuse that has to be healed and reintegrated into the personality. Shadow symbols include death, graves, funerals, crows, or ravens, skulls, sunsets, killers, poison, insects, subways, snakes, debt, taxes, underworld, scenes, and black imagery. Now moving on to the Sagittarius shadow or Gemini rising. Here you may discover a bit of a dogmatic shadow lurking behind an extremely intelligent and seemingly versatile facade As mentally flexible, tolerant, and neutral as this person may like to believe he or she is, when you scratch beneath the surface you'll often uncover some very rigid beliefs that are not up for debate. Although this individual would never want to consider herself a preacher, often you'll find her shadow working a serious soapbox or two. The shadow symbols include religious figures, gurus, teachers, debates, Santa Claus type figures, Horses, open fields, airplanes, sky, clouds, foreign people, foreign lands, scriptures, and rainbows. Okay, moving on now to the Capricorn shadow or Cancer rising. Here we have a shadow that is likely to give all of her power and authority over to another person while repressing her own need for structure, discipline, and boundaries. It may be easier to remain, and I'm saying she mostly because we're approaching this first from the animus, anima, animus angle. Sorry, So dealing with the feminine uh, unconscious piece. Uh, sorry, the, the masculine unconscious piece in the female psyche. So this shadow is likely to give all, her, all of her power and authority over to another, while repressing her own need for structure, discipline, and boundaries. It may be easier to remain in the role of the child and force others into the role of stricter, overly controlling of the strict or overly controlling parental figure that she's afraid of owning in her own psyche. Here's where people often fall into sadomasochistic patterns. If one does not own and integrate some aspect of shame or self-doubt, one may constantly feel criticized, rejected, or judged by the partner of others. Sorry, the partner or others. So that that shame and self-doubt has to be integrated. Shadow symbols, wise elders, mountains, rocks, traditional scenes or images, antiquity, time, clocks, aging, father figures, bosses, authority figures, black imagery, stones, dryness, and winter. And now moving on to the Aquarius shadow or Leo rising. All of the kinkier and eccentric aspects of the self often become concealed in the shadow. There is a hidden need to shock others in a way to test or perhaps even push them away to retain one's own individuality. There's often a fear of losing our own uniqueness or a quirky aspect by getting too close to others. You may feel we have to conform in some way. Often there's a dreaded refusal to get lost in a crowd or just become one of the masses. Shadow symbols include electricity, friends, communities, crowds, groups, electronics, anything kinky or bizarre, rebels, humanitarians, stars, the universe, altruism, people with a detached or objective demeanor, lightning, breakthroughs. So last but not least, we come to the Pisces shadow or Virgo rising. And here we meet with the savior complex and victim perpetrator constellation. So as with Pisces in general, there are a multitude of possibilities with the shadow. The strongest themes seem to revolve around feeling victimized or helpless to change one's circumstances, to be in that kind of victim complex, right? addictions um, or any other arena where there has been a merger or submersion or fusion with someone or something that's become idealized. This is also part of the Pisces shadow. If the someone or something is not truly of the realm of the divine, there is trouble because obviously there's going to be major disillusionment. Shadow symbols include ocean, swamps, swimming pools, fish, Spiritual places, ashrams, hotels, mystics, unicorns, other worlds, fog, steam, deception, dancers, musicians, poets, illusions, mirages, attics, and wells. So, this introduction to understanding the animus in the horoscope as revealed by the seventh house as the unconscious counterpart to our perhaps more conscious dependence on the rising sign um, can open up a whole dialogue and a whole other world of understanding what we might be projecting onto the partner um, or onto the others in our life Um, and how important it is to take back those projections in the work of becoming whole within ourselves and the whole individuation process, which I find the horoscope to be an invaluable tool in revealing to us our unlived potential and who we are in process of becoming. So thank you so much for listening and I'll be back next week with part two and we'll dig into the the anima the, the feminine unconscious counterpart in the masculine psyche.